Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Right now we're going to look out there. Spaceflightnow.com and Stephen Clark joins us. And a uh, very busy week at Kennedy Space Center. Another crew is launched to the International Space Station and uh, Stephen, good to visit with you. I hope all is well. Everything is fine here. I hope the same for you, Steve. Yeah, it, it, once again, very busy week. Anytime there's a crude launch, that is a big deal. It, indeed, yeah. We saw four uh, people launch from here at Kennedy Space Center on Wednesday, heading up to the uh, International Space Station. They launched on a SpaceX uh, Falcon 9 rocket and Dragon spacecraft. And this was, uh, I, remember, I remember, Steve, we started chatting about uh, space back before SpaceX's first crewed launch a couple of years ago, and uh, they're on number eight now, which is pretty remarkable, eight human spaceflight launches in a, just a couple of years. Yeah, and this crew is uh, going up to the space station for a five-month expedition, and one thing that was notable about this one is it's the first time a Russian cosmonaut has launched on a SpaceX capsule. It's the first time a Russian cosmonaut has flown on a U.S. spacecraft since 2002 back on the space shuttle. So uh, kind of a turning point in that, you know, kind of treacherous, tortured relationship between uh, NASA and the Russian space agency that we've seen, particularly since the start of the war in Ukraine. Um, It'll be interesting to see how things play out going forward as they try to patch things up and and keep the International Space Station going. Yeah, and there is talk that they would uh, pull out of that, and that that would be a major problem because there are components that, that are vital to the operation of the International Space Station that are controlled by Russia. So hopefully cooler heads will prevail on a number of levels, uh, and, and particularly when it comes to that piece of hardware, which is you know, a, a valuable orbiting platform. There are others in the works. Uh, the, the, the Chinese have an orbiting platform now, but uh, you know, having a presence in low Earth orbit is important, and We'll see more and more of that going forward because it will be a jumping-off point to travel to the moon ultimately and beyond. You're exactly right. And the International Space Station has been permanently uh, crewed. There's been someone on board that space station permanently for 22 years now. And there's no no intention from NASA's point of view for having that end. And you're right, we did hear a few months ago from the now former head of the Russian Space Agency about uh, – they were interested in pulling out of that partnership after 2024 and going their own way and building a Russian, uh, Russian-owned national space station, basically, that is only Russian. And uh, the 
essentially the number two person at the Russian Space Agency uh, was here at Kennedy Space Center this week. And he was talking to reporters after the launch on Wednesday and said that if it was up to him, basically, that they would continue their partnership until the space station was no longer it was no longer technically feasible to fly the space station, which would in, which would imply well beyond 2024. Um, and there's a new there's a new head of the Russian Space Agency now who is uh, a lot less bellicose and a lot more diplomatic in his tone with talking about the partnership with NASA on the space program. So we'll see how things play out going forward. But, you know, there was that threat a few months ago of Russia leaving the space station in a couple of years' time. And the language that we heard this week was a little bit different than that. Back to the hardware, SpaceX, the Dragon capsule, uh, the Falcon 9 rocket, um, an uncrewed mission. It's uh, uh, proved its reliability and the fact that they've been able to return the first stage. But this Dragon capsule is a marvel. This is a quantum leap from the Soyuz capsules that they were flying for a long time and continue to fly to the International Space Station, the the, uh, ancient Russian technology. Uh, This Dragon is is quite an upgrade and a pretty nice ride, isn't it? Yeah, just imagine it's a leap from dials and cages to to like the touch screen of a Tesla or an iPhone or an iPad. Basically, uh, is the is the difference between a Soyuz and uh, which is still rooted in in sixties era technology to the Dragon, which is you know the twenty first century technology, and it's a lot more roomy than the Soyuz as well. The uh, the Dragon uh, has it can can support a crew of four with room to spare actually, and the Soyuz can at least in terms of volume, is, is they can fit three people in there, and it's very crammed, very tight quarters with three people inside of Soyuz. Yeah, and, if you have uh, claustrophobia, Soyuz would not be the ride for you. Exactly, and, and if you're, any of your listeners want to look at a picture of a Soyuz, you can Google Soyuz uh, landing descent capsule, Soyuz descent capsule, and there, there are pictures that they've taken of inside that landing capsule when they when they land, through the hatch and it looks like i mean they are like inside an amusement park ride basically it's it's very tight quarters in there like shoulder to shoulder and you know it's not built to to carry people very for very long on its own it's built just for a few hours right up to the space station a few hours right back but it is uh definitely you can you can tell just visually that it is a dated machine yeah and uh, it has been reliable technology, and I believe it's still the lifeboat on the International Space Station. If there was a catastrophic failure, that they could hop into one of those capsules and get home. That's right. The Dragon actually does the same function for the for the crews that launch on SpaceX. So the, the Dragon stays up attached to the space station for six months, and if there is an emergency, the people who launch on the Soyuz, that's their lifeboat, and the same for Dragon. So the crew that just launched on the Dragon, if, if there's an emergency and they have to evacuate, evacuate while they're on the station, they would hop in the Dragon to come home. So the Dragon is also rated for a six-month stay on the space station. All right, a couple other things we, we want to get into for sure. Our, our time goes very quickly. Once again, uh, Stephen Clark from Space Flight Now. Uh, dot com joining us here on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline News Talk E three O W C C O the uh, gigantic space launch system Artemis one uh, sometime in November now but beyond that we we know about all the the, the problems and the delays and uh, the hurricane and they they've had to 
move it from the pad back to the assembly building and so on and so forth. Now we're looking at sometime in November. But there is a concern, and I've read a couple articles, and I wanted to get your insight on this, Stephen, about uh, the solid rocket boosters, that they have been stacked for a long time, and this is literally a solid propellant in there, much like a firecracker, if you will. Mm-hmm. But uh, the shelf life is limited on that, and, and we're, we're kind of getting to the end of the, or, or we're getting to the expiration date, if you will. Yeah, you're, you're right, and uh, that those boosters have, Began, stacked, began to be stacked on the platform for this launch back in November of 2020. And they were originally only certified for 12 months. So that is almost double that certification life right now. And um, NASA has been, the engineers have been periodically throughout these last couple of years, throughout these delays, have been kind of going through back through their analysis and going through the computations to see if they're going to be good for the for the next few months, every few months, they do a little review there. And the latest I've heard is that they believe they're going to be good through the end of the year. But, you know, myself and my fellow reporters have pressed NASA officials on this matter in a couple of press conferences, and they're not, they're noncommittal beyond the end of the year, basically about what they would have to do, uh, whether they would have to destack those boosters or whether they would accept additional risk and launch anyway. Of course, there's no people on this rocket. So that makes the decision a little bit easier, but a lot of treasure has gone into this rocket. And, uh, you know, the decision about whether to launch beyond a certain point of certification is a difficult one. A lot of these safety factors that, that NASA builds into these rockets and their systems are quadruple safety factors. So they, do, they run analysis that will tell them that a certain item is good up to four times a load or four times a design life certification sure. in order to be confident to a standard deviation, essentially, of you know, whether that's going to be good for the intended life. So if it's good for a year, a lot of these things would be actually should be good for four years. But as you get near that limit, the risk does increase. And, and we've asked NASA officials in several press conferences about what they would do beyond this year, beyond the next couple of months, which, is, which they've said they're good for. And we haven't got a solid answer yet. Yeah, and, and there is, and the, and these windows open and close, uh, depending on where the moon is, ultimately in proximity to Earth, uh, about mm-hmm. be, because the goal is is to launch this and 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 have this spacecraft orbit the moon. Right, right. So, so you mentioned they rolled the rocket back to the vehicle assembly building to for safekeeping from Hurricane Ian, and uh, that basically precluded them from an opportunity of launching in early October. And the next period, so there's basically two weeks on, two weeks off is the way these launch periods work. Yeah. The moon's in a 28-day orbit around the Earth, 14 days of the year, of the month. They can launch 14 months. It's not feasible for them to complete their mission just by orbital dynamics constraints. So um, so the next period after uh, October would not open until November the 12th, and that's what they're targeting right now is to try to go back to the launch pad in early November and be ready for a mid-November launch date. You know, we've we've talked about this. Uh, I think the last time we chatted, they've had these hydrogen leaks with the rocket. They think they've got that fixed now, but every time they thought they've had it fixed, another one crops up. So it's not it's not a slam dunk on whether they'll even get to a launch opportunity or a launch attempt in November without another leak, because um, these have been a persistent problem for them over the last few months. 
Yeah, so uh, the clock is ticking on a number of yeah. levels uh, for Artemis 1. Quick break, we'll come back. Uh, some big milestones coming up. We're, we're awaiting some big launches. Uh, the, the huge rocket, uh, Falcon Heavy, which which is basically three Falcon 9s strapped together, could launch again soon. And also, uh, when, when will... When will uh, a starship launch down in Texas. We'll get into that uh, with Stephen Clark from SpaceFlightNow.com here on News Talk, E3O-WCCO. We are talking space flight right now with Stephen Clark from SpaceFlightNow.com here on News Talk, E3O-WCCO. Joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline, uh, you you had a piece uh, at your website, Spaceflight Now, about Falcon Heavy uh, potentially being launched later this month. Falcon Heavy is is ultimately three Falcon Nine strapped together, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, this is uh, currently the most powerful operational rocket in the world. We've talked about the space launch system. I think you want to talk about the Starship. Those are not currently operational, right. but the Falcon Heavy uh, is, and yeah, it's three Falcon 9 rockets uh, strapped together, uh, more than 5 million pounds of thrust, so that's a lot of firepower coming off the launch pad, and uh, SpaceX flew this rocket three times uh, back in 2018-2019. It hasn't launched since because of payload issues. Uh, they've had, they have about a dozen of these Falcon Heavy launches booked on contract, uh, but a lot of these payloads have ran into problems. Uh, it's almost kind of uh, the curse of the Falcon Heavy. We've joked like uh, every payload that gets assigned to it has a problem. Every satellite that has a uh, assigned to a Falcon Heavy has an issue. But this next mission is a U.S. Space Force mission. It's carrying a classified satellite for the Space Force. And uh, But we have heard, we have confirmed from the Space Force that the issue that's caused that satellite to be delayed now two years is resolved, and they're good to go. And we're hoping to see that launch potentially as early as October the 28th, a few weeks away. And this is, you know, a, a giant uh, rocket, three Falcon 9s strapped together. And we'll, we expect to see, we're used to seeing the Falcon 9 booster come back to land. At this time, we'll see two Falcon 9 side boosters on this Falcon Heavy detach a couple of minutes into the flight. And they'll come back for nearly simultaneous landings here at Cape Canaveral. And we saw that a few years ago when the Falcon Heavy first flew. And it was a spectacular sight with quadruple four sonic booms as those two boosters come in. And uh, that'll be a sight to see for sure. It's a long-awaited mission that we've waited three years now to see another Falcon Heavy launch. And, and uh, we'll see it fly again in a few weeks, hopefully. Yeah, and as cool as that is, in the fact that they have launches booked, ultimately the Falcon 9, which just launched those uh Four astronauts or three astronauts and a cosmonaut uh, to to the International Space Station. Um, that Elon Musk's goal is is to retire all of this and have all this work move over to Starship that's being developed down mm-hmm. in Texas. That there, there'll be no need for this other stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the the Falcon Nine, the Falcon Nine launch just on pure cost. We we understand costs about 20 to 30 million dollars to launch each Falcon 9 rocket and that is that is a third the price of any other rocket in its class so it's already a big cost savings there but the, Fal- the Starship which is what SpaceX is developing currently is a fully reusable vehicle 
the Falcon 9, its upper stage, the part that does the maneuvers in space, they can't get back, they can't reuse. The Starship will have a fully reusable stack. The upper stage and the first stage will be recoverable and reusable. And the ultimate goal is to get what to what they call airline-like operations, where they basically refuel the rocket and refly it with very minimal inspection or refurbishment. And that is the long-term goal for the Starship program. And it's not only is it fully reusable, it's huge. It's 400 feet tall. It's twice the height of a Falcon 9. It's, uh, let me do the math, probably quadruple, four times the payload lift capability of a Falcon 9 is what the Starship can do. So it's an enormous vehicle, and the goal is to make it like an airline in the long run. And, you know, we've waited for this first test flight. To get it to airline-like operations, I think, is going to be years down the road. But even if they can fly this rocket on a regular basis, and, you know, even if they have to do inspections and refurbishment for several weeks, it will still be a huge game-changer for the space industry. Yeah, and the heavy lift capability, and we've alluded to this before in our chats, and it is very important. This is the key if you want to build a base on the moon or beyond that, uh, visit Mars and, and set up a sustainable colony. You will need to get huge amounts of payload off the surface of the Earth or out of the gravity well, if you will, into low Earth orbit, and then figure out, once it's into low Earth orbit, how to transport it back and forth. There, there could be robot ships that cap- carry stuff back and forth. But, but ultimately, you got to get it out of the gravity well, and this is where you know a heavy lift, reusable rocket like Starship will be invaluable. Exactly, and and the Starship is designed to be once it gets into orbit, it's designed to be refueled. So SpaceX will be developing tankers to that are stationed in orbit around the Earth with propellants on board, like uh, imagine an Air Force re, uh, resupply tanker that's sure. refueling a bomber or a fighter jet, and they can rendezvous together in orbit and refuel the Starship because the Starship will burn all of its fuel just to get out of this gravity well, and then we refuel the Starship, and at that point it'll have a full tank and fire off its engine again, engines again to go to the moon or Mars or to a, a deep space space station or really anywhere in the solar system. And, uh, you know, the colloquialism that I've always heard from a lot of engineers is once you get to low Earth orbit, which is, is just a few hundred miles above the Earth, that's where the, the space station is currently flying, you're halfway to anywhere in the solar system just in terms of how much energy is required from a rocket to reach that destination. Yeah, and then beyond that, it is designed and was designed with the idea that once you get to a place like Mars, you would be able to generate fuel, in theory, on Mars to set up a refueling operation on that end as well. You're exactly right. And that's one of the reasons why SpaceX has chosen methane to fuel the Starship. So the Starship engines will burn methane for fuel, like liquefied natural gas, a a derivative of that. Whereas, um, the Falcon 9 that SpaceX currently flies and the Falcon Heavy as well are burning kerosene fuel, which is uh, you know, a hydrocarbon, non, uh, non-renewable resource. And the methane that the Starship engines burn, the elements that you need to make methane, you can find on Mars. You can find potentially on the moon in craters. And the oxidizer it uses is just liquid oxygen. So if you can find oxygen, which the Martian atmosphere has some oxygen, there's water on the moon, on the, in the poles of the moon, and ice caps in the craters. You can mine that and create some oxygen uh, for rocket fuel. So that 
the end goal is to have not only depots in space where you can refuel, but have refueling stations on the poles of the moon or on Mars. And you can just hop to each destination across the solar system. Yeah, very cool stuff. I hope I live to see it. Uh, Stephen, yeah. always good to visit with you. Uh, I enjoy your website and the work you do based at Kennedy Space Center. Once again, uh, the website, spaceflightnow.com. Stephen Clark joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Have a great weekend. You too, Steve. Thanks. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 